I'm Keith MacArthur. Unlocking Bryson's Brain is a podcast about my son, (laughs) the rare disease that keeps him from walking or talking. I mean, Bryson's perfect, but his life is really hard. And our family's search for a cure. Oh my gosh, maybe science is ready for this. It's part memoir, part medical mystery. We can do just about anything. Modifying DNA. My heart and my throat. Cure is controversial. Unlocking Bryson's Brain. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. I'm Dr. Brian Goldman. This is White Coat Blackheart. An estimated 6.5 million Canadians are unattached patients, meaning they don't have a primary care physician or nurse practitioner. That problem has many implications. A huge one is this, missing out on cancer screening. Think of it this way. Your primary care provider is the quarterback who reminds you to get screened. Someone to navigate the system when the mammogram, PSA, or HPV test is abnormal. A paper published in July 2023 found that Ontarians who went to a walk-in clinic because they didn't have a primary care provider were far less likely to be screened for breast, colorectal, and cervical cancer. Which makes those people more likely to get diagnosed with cancer when it's too late to cure. It's a growing problem right across Canada, including B.C., where close to a million British Columbians don't have primary care. Hi, my name is Allison Ewison. I am a Link English instructor, and I'm in Vernon, B.C. I don't have a family doctor, and I know that I am eligible for cancer screening. My father did have colon cancer. Uh, He was fairly old, but I'm aware of eligibility age and what the recommendations are in Canada and in BC. Breast cancer screening, I believe anybody over 40 is eligible. And again, that's what healthcare professionals recommend. So that's what I feel like I should do. I lived in Vernon for just over two years. When I first moved here, there were two walk-in clinics I had used one of them a few times. It was pretty good. But this fall, I think in September, they have now closed both of those walk-in clinics. So in Vernon, we do not have a walk-in clinic. There is an urgent care. It's not for cancer screening. So I don't know where I would go for cancer screening referrals if it wasn't for CanScreen BC. Dr. Stuart Bax is one of two BC physicians who've made it their mission to try and fill that gap. Hi, uh, my name's Dr. Stuart Bax. I am a family doctor working in BC, previously based in Victoria, just recently moved to the mainland. Um, a colleague and I started a cancer screening service called CanScreen BC, primarily dedicated at helping unattached and underrepresented patients access cancer screening services and should they have any positive results, also follow them through the cancer process as well. Earlier this year, Bax and his colleague, Dr. Cal Shapiro, launched CanScreen BC. According to its website, CanScreen BC is the first dedicated cancer screening clinic in the province. Its aim is to provide easy access to routine cancer screening services that are both available and publicly funded. Why did you decide to launch a virtual cancer screening service? This came from both myself and Dr. Shapiro, who's the medical leader on this project, experience in the walking community. We saw there was a gap in service. Patients uh, who do not have family doctors had their only means of access through the emergency department, through urgent care, or through walking. 
and they tend to come when there's something wrong. They, there's no one coming for their preventative medicine. So we wanted to start a preventative health system where we could hopefully catch things before they developed. And recognizing this was quite a lofty goal, we scaled this down and decided to look at you know the thing which everyone's scared about, and that's cancer. Basically identifying key areas where people were not getting access to screening and trying to enhance that access for those patients. I have stories as an emergency physician, especially during and in the wake of the pandemic, you know, having people come to the emergency department who have not had a family doctor or nurse practitioner for years, and they come in with stage four cancer. And I, you know, I, sometimes I just, I just stare at the ceiling and say, there's got to be a better way of doing this. You must have stories like that. You know, I've had patients come in with um, quite advanced colon cancer and quite advanced breast cancer who have not ever had screening or have not had access to screening. They've come because this has been one of the things they weren't worried about or because it's the thing they're most worried about, but they don't know how to bring it up. And that's what happens on the way out the door rather than being that kind of first presentation they come in. And sadly, we've had some patients who have passed away. We've seen them go through the system and they've come on stage four and we know their outcome is is going to be worse off and, and that it's not treatable by the time it's seen in court. So we're here to hear about the, the system that you co-created. There's a website, canscreenbc.com. Tell us about that and particularly how patients go from getting to that website to actually getting screened and getting referred. I should say, we, although we're predominantly virtual, we do have an office as well. We are The future is actually having a hybrid model. The virtual component of this is really important, though. It's recognizing where virtual care can be useful. We know that there are some aspects where you need to have that in-person visit, but for this and for cancer screening, it's about increasing access. We thought the virtual model was the best way to address that need. For a screening test to take place, patients should be asymptomatic. They shouldn't actually be needing a clinical exam because they've come to you in advance of any symptoms. That's kind of the definition of screening. And then when the screening test being ordered, they can all be ordered remotely. So for example, someone wanting colon cancer screening, they will be eligible for either a fit test or a colonoscopy. They can be ordered remotely and then followed up as well. And this is true for the other screening services like mammograms for breast cancer screening and CTs for lung cancer screening. The electronic system itself, we tried to make it as simple as possible. We wanted to make sure there was no, as minimal barriers as possible. So it's literally, we've got a click-through system. You can go onto our website, you click the appropriate service you want. If you do not know if you are eligible, we do have various um, bits of information to guide people. But even then, there's the option for just booking a normal consultation and we will talk you through every single cancer screening process that you are eligible for and then identify the community you're living in and how we're going to go about ordering those and getting those done. Once that's completed, you'll usually get a either a requisition or we'll be sending out referrals directly ourselves. And then you'll be waiting for the dates of those screening tests or picking up fit tests, for example, from the local lab. Once those results come back to us, you'll get an automatic reminder to let you know if those results are in and we'll follow up on all those results for future screening recommendations as well. We felt that was a really important piece of this is that often when people access telehealth services, there's a lack of continuity and a lack of follow-up. You're speaking to different clinicians you and you trust the system. There's been historically this no news is good news and we feel this was too important you can't have that policy when we know there's so many intricacies in the system and the truth is things get lost in the system sometimes sometimes mm, things yeah. get lost on the electronic emrs they get sent to the wrong place we never want that to happen we never want someone sitting at home assuming everything is fine 
because they haven't heard anything when in fact that result is simply being lost in the system. So we follow up on everything that we do. Like a lot of other provinces, BC has had its issues getting access, getting patients access to specialists who make the diagnosis, get the biopsy if a biopsy is necessary just to see if there is a cancer. How are you able to ensure through your system that patients are actually getting an appointment with a specialist? Yeah, so that, that is a big challenge. And that's one of the big bits of engagement we are in at the moment. We're in various conversations with different endoscopy units, for example, up and down the island. We are in constant dialogue with other services to try and identify ways in which we can ease that process. We recognize that one of the downstream complications of this service that we've created is actually increasing demand. We are, you know, we've already screened several hundred people and those people would not have been accessing these services otherwise. And we do recognize that as a problem. Even though they should have access. So that's exactly it. We thought about this, we discussed this in advance. And for us, we just did not believe the bottleneck could be accessed. No one should be not allowed to access these services because they, they're not available. They can't get seen by a doctor. That, that just was not consciousable. Access cannot be the bottleneck. We recognize there's going to be bottlenecks in screening departments. We recognize there's um, bottlenecks potentially for them getting the subsequent diagnosis. And we definitely want to work with providers to find ways of streamlining that process. So for example, we're currently in discussions with a couple of endoscopy units who are having trouble with their unattached patients because for some of these unattached patients, for example, to get their colonoscopy screen, they might have other medical conditions and they need a doctor to comment on how to taper some of the medication they might be on in advance of that investigation. So that's something that we can step in and assist with and thus get them into the system quicker. And this is the other unique piece about our services. We're really about community engagement. We recognize that each individual community has its own needs and has its own barriers. There's a bit of a postcode lottery at the moment, depending on where you live, what your wait times are. If you have a GP, you know, the GP in cancer care is often the quarterback. They're trying to get you in to see the right specialist. They're there coordinating care. If there's any issues, you know, personally, my experience as a GP, patients often come back to me after they've had their cancer appointments. And because it's been the cancer appointment, nothing's gone in. They've sat there in shock. They've been, you know, the, the specialist may have told them everything they needed to do, but then they come back to the GP for, for the information because it doesn't go in at that time or they've got questions which they didn't think about at that time. And that's the coordination piece. So who's the quarterback for unattached patients? Right now, nobody. And I think that's, and that's why we started this service. We want to be that quarterback. I think the biggest issue facing unattached patients is that lack of accountability and that lack of continuity of care. I think taking a step back, why is attachment so important? Attachment is important because it allows the relationship to form and continuity of care to take place. By creating the service counseling in BC, we want to show that even in the absence of attachment, you can still have continuity of care. So for example, if a patient comes to cancer screen BC and has a positive diagnosis, we're going to be supporting them throughout that whole cancer journey. Likewise, all the specialists involved in their care know they can come back to us. So the patient knows where to go, the specialist knows where to go, even BC Cancer knows that in Victoria that, for example, if a patient's being discharged to the community after they've had cancer treatment and they don't have a touch patient, we can take on that patient and support them in their ongoing surveillance. Whilst we're not saying we can take on that patient for all their medical needs, that would make us just a walk-in, a telehealth walk-in clinic again and we'd become saturated straight away, we can certainly follow them up and support them in that entire cancer process going forward and be that quarterback. 
And having that quarterback is critical to would-be patients like Allison Leslie Ewison, who we met off the top. Allison says she came across canscreenbc.com through Google. She decided to reach out because the service seemed reliable. The thing that encouraged me to sign up for Canscreen BC is they were BC doctors. It has their education, where they went to school, their past history, the details like that made me feel confident that they were providing a service that was, you know, covered by BC Healthcare. After speaking to Dr. Shapiro, he sent me an email with referrals to lab tests and for a mammogram. And the lab test, I just printed off the document, went to the lab and got the kit for the screening. And the mammogram, I just made an appointment at the clinic and had the mammogram. It was very simple and straightforward. The results were negative in both cases because I received the results separately. Each test was given a follow-up phone call with, it's negative, this is when you're due again. Please use our service if you don't have a family doctor by that time. And if you see any symptoms in the meantime, follow up with that. As doctors, they are very aware of the problem with healthcare and, and getting access to healthcare. It was comfortable and I, I would recommend it to, and I am recommending it to everyone. Bax and his partner, Dr. Cal Shapiro, are striving to create a screening and referral service that reaches unattached patients from all backgrounds. You know, there are unattached patients in general, and then there are uh, unattached patients who come from particularly vulnerable communities. I'm thinking about indigenous communities. I'm thinking about people who live in rural and remote parts of British Columbia, LGBTQ patients. Um, Is your service available to them? Are you able to help them just as you're able to help the general population of unattached patients? 100%. That's actually one of our main focuses of this service as well. We we really want to help those communities who have been marginalized in the past. Screening is such a unique thing, and some of the investigations of screening can be quite invasive. So there's a real focus, I think, needing to understand that, needing to understand the aspects of trauma-focused care. In the next few weeks, we will be rolling out a walk-in service, basically, for our local Native Friendship Center, and this has been in collaboration with the, the local Indigenous leads, to bring them screening directly. So, for example, one of the barriers we've had for FIT screening, so that's colon cancer screening, is that patients don't have access to those tests. They have to, they have to get a requisition from a doctor or from BC Cancer. They then have to take it to a lab to get the test. They don't have to take that test back to the lab to get it processed. And we recognize there can be many barriers there. So what we are in current talks to do is we're getting access to those tests directly. We'll have those tests on us. We're going to set up a couple of days where we will go and actually hand out these tests in person with the requisitions. So taking away that initial barrier. On top of that, we can then collect those tests and send them off for those patients. So we feel that if we can take away these specific barriers for some of these communities, that's going to increase the screening in itself as well. We're also hoping to do this in the new year with the HPV test when they get rolled out. And again, focusing on specific communities, which perhaps haven't had access in the past. And if we can remove the access of actually having to book appointments to see doctors, go and collect those tests, go and drop those tests off. If we can catch them ad hoc when they're coming in for other services, then give those tests out directly. We can enhance their screening and actually get their screening done in a timely fashion as well. 
So that, that's that's a big focus, and we are currently yeah in, in active engagement with those communities to try and enhance the screening. We'll be right back. How do you forget your favorite person in the world? 30 years ago, my 14-year-old brother was killed by a speeding police car. And just a week or two after he died, I started to forget him. But what if I could get my memories back? I'm Alex McKinnon, and Sorry About the Kid is a new four-part series about what happens when trauma and memory collide. It felt like something was being torn out of my brain. Just somebody just tore a piece of flesh out. Sorry About the Kid is available now on CBC Listen and everywhere you get your podcasts. You're listening to White Coat Black Art. This week, a fledgling service called CanScreen BC provides cancer screening and referrals to people in that province who don't have a primary care provider. Doctors Stuart Bax and Cal Shapiro have identified a specific need among unattached patients. It made me wonder what role, if any, the B.C. government has played in getting it off the ground. How are you paying for these services? Myself and Dr. Shapiro, we are funding the kind of admin and administration. You know, it's all out of pocket. This is a service that we started and created. We felt it was needed. The money that we collect from the government for seeing patients is basically funding the service going forward as well. So for people who don't know how doctors are paid in BC, at least, there's a couple of different payment models. One is doctors will be on contract and they'll be getting an hourly rate. A second is something called fee-for-service. And this basically means that a doctor gets paid for each individual appointment that a patient is seen. And that's basically what we're using to carry on funding the service. So for those appointments we see, and we use that money, goes back into carrying on the operations, basically. What conversations are you having with the BC government now about expanding this service or putting it on a more secure footing? Um, very early. Um, so we've had a few discussions through our division about accessing this alternative funding model, basically, so that we can see about other ways that we can fund this. We want to get a nurse involved. We want to get a nurse's clinic involved. We want to have ways of paying reception staff and so forth to help with admin. And yeah, those are very early stages. There's many different people to talk to. And I think we really want to have, I think a year's worth of data is going to be helpful. We've been really fortunate to be recently accepted into the shared care program, um, which is this collaborative committee representing a partnership between the doctors of BC and the government of BC uh, with a mandate in supporting family doctors and specialists in improving coordination of care in the community setting, basically. And we're currently working with a expression of interest part of that, which we're hoping to have completed by the end of the year. And we think that's going to probably be the next step in taking this process a little bit forward as well. I want to close on a little bit of a philosophical note and, and ask you, what does it say about the current healthcare system that you and not the province identifies and then fills this huge gap, namely the lack of cancer screening for unattached patients? I think there's lots of working groups. There's lots of people trying to work on this problem right now. I know that the bigger agencies certainly know it's a problem and want to address it. I, th I think the problem is often focus and it's, it's a political issue. You know, politicians get focused on one aspect of care. So for example, the aspect of it's focused on right now is let's get everyone attached. So that's, that's where they're focusing it on. And that's correct. It's great that that's where the focus is. But it doesn't mean that there can't be a focus elsewhere as well. Recognizing that that is not a quick fix overnight, recognizing that changing the rules on doctors coming from abroad, changing the rules on 
the education system. You know, these are not quick fixes. This is we've got to build for something not in the next two years, not in the next five years. We've got to build for the next ten and the next twenty years. And this is changing dramatically. We're going to see increased cancer cases simply because people are living longer. We're going to see a further rise in metabolic syndrome and the cardiovascular diseases. And political cycles are short. People are looking at three years, five-year terms, and we need to be building something for 20 years' time. The healthcare system we have right now is, is fantastic. Free healthcare for all is, is the absolute goal, and that's what it should always be. But when this was envisioned decades ago, no one for, foresee the situation we'd be in right now. So I think that's why having a slightly broader vision, having a looking at multiple ways in which we can change the system is important. And we can't just keep putting band-aids on the same old system. We need to be actually potentially building a whole new system as well and keeping the current system afloat until that new system comes into place. Well, I, I'm glad someone, well, you're not the only one, but I'm glad you're among the, the, the growing number of professionals who are trying to address those gaps. Dr. Stuart Bax, thank you so much for speaking with me. Pleasure. Thanks for having me. CanScreen BC is not the only program of its kind in Canada. In Ontario, the Champlain Regional Cancer Program, which serves patients in Ottawa and nearby counties, recently set up a pilot program. It hired a nurse practitioner to provide and coordinate cancer screening for people without doctors, even going into warehouses like Amazon to talk to many employees at a time. Back in BC, a couple of MDs started CanScreen on their own time and on their own dime. It makes me wonder just what are the obligations of the province. For that, I spoke with Dr. Kim Nguyen Chi. I'm a medical oncologist and I work at the Vancouver Cancer Center. I also am the executive vice president and chief medical officer of BC Cancer. Dr. Kim Chi, welcome to White Coat Black Art. Thank you for having me. What's the scale of unattached patients being diagnosed with cancer and requiring cancer treatment in, in British Columbia? Well, we know there is a, a shortage of primary care providers in British Columbia. As well, the government has taken steps to amend that by bringing in more primary care specialists or increasing the compensation or changing the compensation as well as uh, nurse practitioners. However, there's still a fair number of people that don't have a prior primary care provider or aren't able to get one. And so it is an issue because primary care is certainly a key partner in a patient's cancer journey. How do you begin to track them? Well, I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't have the numbers actually to understand uh, in front of me how many we have within our system that don't have a primary care provider. But it is an issue, and as soon as I see a patient that doesn't have a primary care provider, we certainly go to a lot of extent to try to attach them to somebody. So uh, if you have a, a patient, an unattached patient who is diagnosed with cancer, somehow gets diagnosed with cancer, um, you're uh, trying to get them a family doctor in parallel with plugging them into to treatment, appropriate treatment? When they enter in our, into our cancer system, you know, oncologists often take over a lot of that care, but we like to do so in conjunction with a primary care provider to manage all the other things that they may have, all the other medical issues that particular person have, but also to support them along that journey. But certainly, yes, I have patients that don't have a primary care provider, and so we end up taking care of a lot of just general medical problems like hypertension or diabetes and blood sugar management, which the, the primary care provider would normally do. But we do end up wrapping around those services if we have to for patients that um, don't have a primary care provider. 
within our system, we also have GP oncologists. So these are GPs that have a further training in oncology. And they actually sometimes may even have their own private practice outside of their work in oncology. We also have nurse practitioners. So we do wrap around a team, particularly for those patients without a primary care provider. But there's transitions in care from the initial diagnosis through a surgeon to treatment, let's say with chemotherapy and radiation, but then also onto survivorship or supportive care and palliative care as needed. And really, primary care providers are really important through all those transition periods. You know, we're doing this this show because it's estimated that 6.5 million Canadians uh, lack primary care, which means they don't have that family doctor or nurse practitioner who who can uh, look after them and and can also make uh, timely referrals. So, what else is is BC trying to do to address this problem of unattached patients with cancer? The provincial government has done a fair amount in terms of, uh, as I mentioned earlier, the compensation model and encouraging more people into the family practice within BC, as well as increasing nurse practitioners. And there's also um, plans to increase enrollment into medical schools. And basically, we just need more people. Unfortunately, the shortage of human health resource is uh, existing across the province, across many areas, not just in uh, primary care and uh, really needs those investments to be made. And and I think, you know, I take your point. It's a fair point, but it will take years to to make up for for the shortfall in uh, in access to primary care, which means that in the short term, at least, there is a challenge. Uh, do, do, you know, does, does the province believe that it has an obligation to unattached patients when it comes to cancer diagnosis? I think it's unattached patients regardless of the diagnosis. I mean, cancer... There is a need, but if you look at all diseases, depression from mental health and depression, uh, substance abuse to um, blood pressure, hypertension, infections, everything, you know, primary care are the backbone of our system. And we certainly need to encourage more primary care providers and also increase that uh, their efficiencies. So, yes, it's important for cancers, but I think it's also important for just the health system in general. Dr. Kim Chi, thank you so much for speaking with us. Thank you for having me. Here's the thing. Unattached patients aren't some losers in a lottery. Provinces have the same obligation to provide health care to them as they do to patients who have a primary care provider. When you lack primary care, getting diagnosed and treated for cancer is much more challenging to patients and much more costly to the system. The sooner the provinces address that gap, the better. That's our show this week. Our email address is whitecoat at cbc.ca. If you like this episode, please give us a rating and review wherever you listen. White Coat Black Art was produced this week by Samir Chabra with help from Stephanie Dubois and Isabel Gallant. Our digital producer is Ruby Buiza. Our senior producer is Colleen Ross. And we have some important scheduling news for you. Starting in the new year, White Coat Black Art will be on Saturdays at the slightly new time of 1.30 p.m. in most parts of Canada, 2 p.m. in Newfoundland and Labrador. Sundays will stay the same. That's medicine from my side of the gurney. I'm Brian Goldman. See you next week. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.